You're listening to the Friday Morning Podcast with hosts Bill Ballinger and Dennis Denno discussing Michigan politics and political history. The Friday Morning Podcast has you covered. Hey, Bill, before we go to our guest, let's talk a little bit about our partner, DeadlineDetroit.com. Well, Deadline Detroit is a one-stop online news site that aggregates the best stories from local, national, and international media about Metro Detroit. It also produces original reporting and provides commentary from top-rate local journalists. Great. Now let's go to our guest. And with me now is Samantha Steckloff. She is the Democratic candidate for State House in the 37th House District, which includes the cities of Farmington and the awesome city of Farmington Hills. Samantha... Samantha Steckloff, welcome to the Friday Morning Podcast. Thank you, Dennis. It's a pleasure to be here today. Yes, yeah, so if I'm not mistaken, your primary consisted obviously of yourself and two other men, and I think all three of you were on Farmington Hills City Council. Is that correct? That is correct. We had a very strange primary this year where we had three current elected officials who have all served together on city council uh, running for this one position. It turned into a new type of campaigning uh, that we really need to look at. And then, of course, COVID hit. So you really had to put yourself apart from the others. And one of the greatest things, though, about running with three current elected officials is you actually have a record to go off of. I'm very, very proud of my record, and so that's what I ran on. I also ran on what the state's needs are and how I fit into that mold, especially when being a cancer survivor at such a young age and this pandemic hitting, we see the true need for some sort of public option for health care. People are being laid off from their jobs. Many of them are losing their health care. We no longer have paid sick leave. So when running this campaign, those were the things I focused on, and I think that's what set me apart from the others. Um, they really focused on what we've done in Farmington Hills, which is fantastic, but we need to focus on what's going on in the state, and that's where you need to take it to the next level. Um but it, it was interesting. It was a very interesting run, and i still shocked that I received almost 50% of the vote while I was still running against two very well-known um, city council members. And so did that create awkward members uh, uh, during city council meetings that the three of you were running for the same position, or is it all pretty cordial? Well, Randy Bruce, who uh, was one of uh, uh, the candidates, he did not run for re-election in 2019, so he wasn't on council, and <laughs> we, COVID, so we went to Zoom meetings, so ah. there was no awkwardness at all between Michael Bridges and I. It was great. Um, so, with, I, I assume the campaign never went negative, or, or were there negative moments in the campaign? My campaign never went negative. There was a negative moment in one of my opponents. Uh, they, so I, I'm sure you've seen some of uh, the posts. I unfortunately was fired from Wayne State for having cancer. Uh, oh I was in the hospital for over three weeks. 
And that entire three-week time was considered unexcused because I was out of FMLA. And like anyone else, when they say, you can't do that, of course you can't do that. So that's that's why I decided to go through a lawsuit. It wasn't an easy decision to make. You know, it, 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 it completely opens you up to everything. But going through that experience, the laws about federal employment laws are disastrous. I wasn't a member of a, of a union, so I went into management. I lost that opportunity to even have short-term disability. So I couldn't even be on disability. The only option was a long-term disability, and I had to be out of work for 180 days. Well, that's not something I can afford. So even though I was using my old sick bank, time that I earned by working at Wayne State, it's still legally considered unexcused because of the Federal Medical Leave Act, because I was no longer under those protections, they legally can fire you. And so this entire lawsuit was brought up during my primary. Um, Unfortunately, one of my opponents uh, decided that it would be fun to completely take apart this lawsuit and say that I missed work, I refused to go to work, how am I going to show up in Lansing if I can't even show up to city council, if I can't even show up to work, and it was just ridiculous, and this was sent to a whole bunch of news organizations, which is how I found out, and one of the news organizations was so upset to find out that it was because of cancer, because they left that part out when they said I don't show up to work, that I was receiving life-threatening, life-threatening needs, um, procedures, and chemo, and they were so angry that one of those organizations actually uh, let me know the the trail, and the trail led so easily back to my opponent. I mean, they didn't even try, so unfortunately, I had to deal with that in my primary, one of my opponents who then leaked that information to the Republican side. So then my now Republican opponent took it even further, you know, saying that I I defrauded and all this crazy stuff. So while I was doing the right thing, um, it's crazy to see how anyone, anyone thinks it's okay to attack someone for having cancer. But this is where campaigns are nowadays. This is what's happened in the last four years. It's disgusting. It never used to be like this. Yes, we had different opinions on either side of the aisle. But look at the laws passed in Lansing. 90% of them are passed unanimously by both sides. So this is a whole new sort of rhetoric that I'm so disappointed in any candidate who is using this type of, of motive to win. It doesn't work. People reject it. But unfortunately, I now have to put my entire life story, some of the most painful experiences I ever went through. Yesterday, I had to post photos of these 40 days he said I was unexcused absences of me literally physically in the hospital, walking with a walker because I was so weak to even walk without it. So these, this is where I'm at right now, and it, it, it's so disgusting, but the real issue should be what can we do about it? And that's why I'm running. 
We need to make sure that workers have protections, that people aren't staying at a job they hate just because they need the health insurance. This needs to stop. We need to make sure that people are eligible for paid sick leave, that people are eligible for short-term disability. So no one ever has to go through what I went through. Going to work with a mask on and bald and passing out in the stairwell, having my director having to call 911 more times than I can count. Not only is that embarrassing to me, but it's just wrong. And it's so disgusting what I went through while I was going through this litigation um, and going through this process. We discovered an email from the from HR to my um, AVP at Wayne State University that stated, she's out of SMLA now. We can be aggressive. And if that didn't win me that case, that shows you how bad our federal employment laws are. And we need to change that. And that's the real story. Yeah, that's, that is a really powerful story. Thank you for sh sharing it. So you talked about your Republican opponent, Farmington, Farmington Hills, the 37th House District is um, over 60% Democratic. I assume you're not too worried about your Republican opponent, correct? I'm not. He's never received more. This is his third time running. Um, he's never received more than 29% of the vote, um, specifically this year, mm -hmm. um, especially since this whole QAnon phase has started. Um, he's really embraced more of the right wing, which in no way, shape, or form even even uh, represents our Republican side in this community. So I, I honestly feel bad for my Republican friends. I have a lot of Republican colleagues that this is who they have to put up to represent themselves. I, I, I'm embarrassed just knowing he lives in the community and this is the stuff he's spouting, but this is politics. What are you going to do? <laughs> Right. So, so let's so let's talk about what you're what you're spending your time post primary doing. Are you campaigning uh, for yourself, or are you uh, helping other Democrats? Uh, what, what are you doing? So, I spend majority of my time helping other candidates. Uh, luckily, being in a safe den seat allows me to do this. And I promised at the very beginning when I ran, even in my primary, that I was the candidate that was going to dedicate my time to all these other candidates. I've been working in the Democratic Party, especially with local Democratic candidates, for since 2008 in Obama. Um, so I've been working really hard. And because of that, I know the key players. Uh, many of these, these young people grew up with me experiencing the Obama campaign, and we've become dear friends. So I know all these candidates running in all these different districts, because I've worked for them, I've watched for them, um, I was campaign manager for one of them. So I'm in a very unique situation, and because of that situation, it's really important that I take advantage of it. We, have, we only need four seats to flip. Only four seats to flip. And three of those seats, the most flippable seats in the state are in Oakland County. One is directly to the north of me in West Bloomfield Commerce in Wixom. It's the 39th District, Julia Culver. I was actually her campaign manager when she was running for state Senate. And if you live in this district, you have such a fighter. You have the most intelligent woman I have ever met. 
leading you. So make sure to vote for Julia Pulver. And then right next door in Novi, we have uh, Kelly Breen, who served on the Novi City Council. She really understands what's needed from the state level for her local government. Um, the other one is in Rochester area with Barbanet. So we have some very powerful, strong, democratic women running in these very targeted suburban areas. Um, so that's where I'm spending the majority of my time, really making sure everyone knows how important their vote is this year. We do have, when, when, when people come out to vote, the Democrats win. There are more Democrats than there are Republicans. So get out and vote, young people. I'm talking to you, those who who are so discouraged by the political system. Vote for what's right. We will help you. We will make sure that this divisiveness stops. So I spend. I, I, I can keep going, but I spend a lot of my days um, going door to door for other candidates. Um, if they're outside, I speak to them. Uh, we are not door knocking because of the COVID pandemic. Uh, so I also spend a lot of time on phone calls, and that, that's, that's what I'm doing full-time right now. Unfortunately, I have, spent, have had to spend a little time away from that with these ridiculous, um, negative, dirty campaign that the other side is throwing at me, unfortunately, that that's taken up some of my time away from flipping the house, and it's, it's bad. So let's talk a little bit about your future house district that you're going to be representing in the Michigan House, Farmington, Farmington Hills. Are, are those two communities pretty homogeneous or do they have different um, histories? Do they have different trials and tribulations and different success stories? They're pretty homogeneous. Um, the issue is mostly when we're talking about federal funding, Farmington is in the 11th congressional seat, which is Haley Stevens, and Farmington Hills, which engulfs Farmington, is in the 14th congressional district, which is Brenda Lawrence. So when we're looking at how public funding trickles down to the local government, that's where we run into an issue because we don't have the same representation. Uh, so as your state representative, a lot of my job is to make sure that each community gets their fair share. Um, I have very close relationships with both con both um, congresswomen, congresswomen, so this will be a little bit easier for me than it would be for most. And so, but we 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 share so many of the same city services. Um, our our uh, our dispatch is we is the same. Um, school districts and many of our uh, community uh, commissions are are dual commissions. Um, I'm I'm. We was the creator of the Commission on Community Health, and that's where I sit on currently. And we have members from both Farmington Hills and Farmington. Oh, that's awesome. Um, yeah, it's a great community to bring up with, live, to, <laughs> to live in and be born in and be raised in. We really work extremely well together. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit. You mentioned uh, Farmington, Farmington Hills Public Schools. Uh, a few years ago, uh, they consolidated uh, the high schools. They, they, they closed, uh, I think it was Farmington Hills Harrison, uh, basically mm -hmm. yeah, uh, basically off of uh, 12 and Orchard Lake Road, and that was a really controversial move. Um, has that been a success, or is it still uh, creating a lot of tensions within the community? I, I, things have been changing so quickly, it's, it's almost impossible 
to remember that. Um, things are changing so quickly that you don't even remember what last happened. So while that was a huge story, now we're not even in school. Uh, we're doing virtual learning. I am so thankful that the city was able to purchase Harrison. I am a Harrison graduate and make it into this beautiful community center that will still harbor the heritage that is Harrison. Um, they will still be presenting uh, and displaying all of our state championship trophies and things like that. I was a admissions manager at Wayne State University for undergraduate admissions, um, and every year the amount of applications would go down, the amount of students attending, because we just don't have a school pop school age population anymore. Um, it's been it's been dwindling for years. So it's not just Farmington Hills that had to worry about it. I mean, you know, Birmingham is close, or Bloomfield Hills is close, or Birmingham I think closed a school. Southfield's closing a school. Uh, so we need to focus on the reality of what's going on, um, as opposed to the, the the past and the history. It's bad. We need to. That's a, but that's a whole nother topic that we can talk about with what we can do at the state level to make sure that young people stay here, that they want to raise a family here, that people want to move back here, that we have the job. And that's what we were facing a while ago. Yes, let's just talk a little bit about that. I mean, you're, you're 100% right that we're losing um, students. I should say losing. We just have less students going through high school in the state of Michigan. Yep. And so what about the state response to that? What about the federal government's response to all that? Are you comfortable with the direction from the feds and the state? Um, and what are some of the solutions that you see? <laughs> Am I satisfied? Boy, no, not satisfied at all. What we have done to public education has destroyed it. I don't know what this Betsy DeVos um, agenda is done, but it's destroyed us. First off, first off, this Betsy DeVos agenda created these charter schools. Now, there's two types of charter schools. There's your public, which are usually run by your public, um, by your, your local school board or the county school board, like your alternative high schools, like adult education, technical education. But they have for-profit charter schools, for-profit charter schools that don't follow any of the state regulations when it comes to education. We used to be number one in education, and now we're at the very bottom. So what these charter schools do is they're a scam. They're a complete scam. They take money, so each pupil is um, designated a certain amount of money by the state. Um, that's a whole other story about how that number doesn't even satisfy even close to the needs of a student. But let's just say every student gets $9,600 per pupil. Every school district gets $9,500 per pupil. Well, what these for-profit charter schools do is because Technically, charter schools of like this are illegal, but they work around it. You know, following Betsy DeVos's workaround, um, they now have it under an administration. So administration runs these schools, and therefore they can take 3% per pupil for themselves. 3% per pupil for themselves. These students do not 
have the same criteria in teachers or education that um, our public school students do. So when I was at Wayne State University, and I'm seeing transcripts come in with a 4.0 GPA and an 8 ACT score, there's something wrong. That does not correlate. And I'll tell you what, every single time I saw one of those, I looked up the school, and I tell you, 100% 100% of the time, it was from a for-profit charter school. So not only are they stealing money from our public schools, they're stealing money, not only stealing money from the students that do go to charter schools, they're stealing money from our future. They have completely destroyed any type of education we would have in our future workforce. This, this is astounding that people are still supporting her agenda. Um, $9,600 per student, that doesn't, that's the same I got when I was in high school. And I would love to say, yes, you know, you can believe I'm still young, but this was over 20 years ago, people. And that doesn't even include additional funds needed for any type of social programs, any type of IEPs or broadband for communities that are now virtual learning that don't have the best service. This also doesn't include the needs of, of, of poor students who cannot purchase a laptop to even do virtual learning. So we have a huge problem in our state with our educational funding. And we keep hearing the rhetoric, oh, we're pouring more money and we're doing this. No. The truth is, you keep stealing money. If you are pouring money in, why is it that each student is still receiving the same amount of money that they did 20 years ago? And there's your proof. <laughs> Things are out of control in our state education. You know, we were the first, when the first three states in our state constitution that guarantees, guarantees an education from kindergarten through 12th grade. One of only three. And this is what we're showing the world, what true education is? It's an embarrassment. Come on, guys. All right, let's uh, let's go to a little lighter topic here. So listeners, <laughs> listen, <laughs> listeners of the Friday Morning Podcast know I'm a, I'm a big Michigan State University fan. Uh, something I just learned about you, though, is that you are a Boilermaker. You went to the University of... I... Boiler up, Dennis. Boiler up. <laughs> I I am a Purdue graduate, proud and true Purdue graduate. It's great when I'm going door to door and people ask me my allegiance, and I, I, I'm totally out of the equation. Purdue. <laughs> no one can hate me, so that's, that's been real fun. I am a huge Purdue basketball fan. It actually gets very scary during basketball season, and this is even before March Madness. Uh, my husband makes me go to the basement to watch games because apparently I not only cheer too loud, but I clap too loud. Um, so that's how we have gotten through basketball season uh, together. <laughs> and uh, it's getting pretty close to that right now with fantasy football. So is it safe to assume your husband makes you go to the basement because he's a Michigan State fan? Oh, no. Unfortunately, I know you're trying to, <laughs> you wanted to get that. No, he just thinks I'm too loud, and I annoy him. 
<laughs> no, he actually, he didn't go to either school either, so I am branding him as a Purdue fan. Um, he'll wake up one morning with a whole bunch of new Purdue swag. Our dog even has a Purdue collar, so I'm about to get a Purdue bumper sticker and put it on his car. Wow. All right. Wow. Samantha Steckloff. <laughs> Future state representative from the 37th District, which are the cities of Farmington and the awesome city of Farmington Hills. Thank you for being on the Friday Morning Podcast. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Dennis. And that's it for another edition of the Friday Morning Podcast, located at theballingerreport.com and at dentalresearch.com. And we'd like to give a special Friday Morning Podcast thanks to the band, Little American Champ, (laughs) for the music of this podcast.